everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Coco and Dolls. We're real people bringing you real reviews of all the latest streaming movies and series on Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon Prime Video, Disney Plus. I think that's it. Is there Maybe. another one in there? Maybe Apple TV. Maybe Apple TV. Yeah, if we can yeah. find something we want to watch on Apple TV. If Ted Lasso season two rolls out fastly. Dolls was a huge fan of season one, so... Huge. So I think we're going to end up reviewing season two. But before we get into that, I'm not Dolls. And I'm not Coco. And not Coco, what are we reviewing in today's episode of the podcast? Well, it's a glorious, glorious podcast, listener. I'm so glad you've joined us for this podcast. Whenever you say stuff sarcastic like that, that means that people are, in fact, not going to listen because they're like, well, he's telling us that this is going to suck. So I think we're, so on, we're on episode 132. So if anybody's listened to any podcast, they probably have picked up on the fact that I'm sarcastic. <laughs> you don't and, like anything and also, that I make you watch. <laughs> and also that uh, we cover things that are funny and not funny. So in the not funny category... It's a documentary that just aired on uh, Netflix just the other day. Dropped on Wednesday. Dropped on Wednesday as we speak. And it's called, and I have to read because it's very long, the title. It's called, This is a Robbery. Oh, no, it's more than that. This is a Robbery, the World's Biggest Art Heist. You could have had that on your phone instead of having to drag your computer over here. <laughs> no, actually, I don't mind it. Okay. And it's uh, a story, a recreation, a four-part documentary uh, story, recreating and investigating what happened on the date of March 18th, 1990. <laughs> and so the museum, did I name, name the museum? No. Because the museum is the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. Yes. And there was huge, uh, huge amount of paintings 13 valuable valuable paintings they say they were worth maybe 500 million dollars which is cray were stolen yeah and the documentary investigates this and tries to get to the bottom of it and really listener i'm not spoiling it by saying it is not solved so it's just like <laughs> one extended unsolved mystery and if you've listened to our podcast on the unsolved mysteries you know adults you doesn't like them <laughs> you know that i don't like unresolved things Well, I read an interview with the uh, directors of this docuseries, the Barnacle Brothers, Mm -hmm. who grew up in Boston, and Mm -hmm. they were saying that they hope that this will shake some new information loose, Mm -hmm. like maybe somebody watching this knows something and will come forward, because at this point, 31 years later, if we can't solve this thing, we're probably never going to solve it. So So if this doesn't help the crime get solved, then... This stuff is probably lost. So we're being used, listener, essentially. They're trying to get their uh, millions and millions of dollars worth of art back. I think the gardener should reimburse me the fourteen eighty eight I spend on Netflix if I'm going to be used to help solve a crime. They're putting up a a $10 million reward for all this stolen artwork. So throw fourteen eighty eight to me to make up for my April dues. Cut me some of that $10 million. Yeah, totally. You don't even have to give me a million. Just give me... You know, let's call it $28 between the two of us. <laughs> well, round it up to 15 so $30. Oh, okay. Well, I yeah. was cutting them a deal. Oh, I was okay. actually being generous two for one. They're an art thing. museum. I don't think they need any deals cut. <laughs> well, they are a museum, so usually museums suffer. So what did you oh. think of this, Coco? <laughs> this docu-series, this four-part docu-series that's uh, about an art heist. So 
I was really, I, I had listened to a podcast several years ago about this same heist. I do not remember anything about that podcast. I don't even remember the name of it, but I do remember being completely fascinated by the story then, and mm-hmm. I'm still completely fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. I know, contrary to what you normally say, I wish this could have been longer. I wish what? this could have been about six episodes. I think they really could have gone into more of the personalities because it's a very twisty case. Yes. There are a lot of characters who are potentially involved. There's the Italian mob. There's the Irish mob. There's... The Canadian mob. <laughs> I mean, I think they did say that Canada might have been a place where the the artwork could have been transported to, Montreal. like the Montreal, yeah. Yep. So there were... Uh, and the uh, security guard who was on duty, just some like stoner guy who musician yeah musician who probably shouldn't have been in charge of guarding hundreds of millions of dollars of priceless artwork in hindsight yeah like there's some question as to whether perhaps he was involved or Mm -hmm. if he's just very unlucky or just bad at his job yeah just really bad at his job um so yeah i was very interested i was very intrigued i wish they could have gone into more detail it was definitely kind of crazy keeping track of Mm -hmm. this person could have been involved and then because of their potential involvement this other person was involved Mm -hmm. and then you know they're drawing arrows on the map like the art went from boston to augusta maine then down to hartford then maybe to montreal and then to philly perhaps and it was really crazy and some of the stories that i read about this even said like oh yeah the metal eagle on top of a napoleonic flag was seen in somebody's basement in hartford but like they didn't go into a lot of that like i believe the same interview i read with the barnacle brothers they said that um like 90 percent of their research they ended up not using Mm. because they had the four episode constraint from netflix Mm -hmm. and i'm like this is something i think you should have had more of like Madeline McCann. Why do we need eight episodes of that? Like you're just saying the same stuff over and over again, but for something like this, that's so twisty and Mm -hmm. has so many facets and so many avenues of possibility for investigation. um, Yeah. I I wanted to see more. So I've got more thoughts, but I'll throw it to you. I don't want to just drone on for like 20 minutes. Well, I, I want to respond to that because I thought it was just the right length. I thought four episodes was that was good. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. There was a lot of stuff left on the table, but it's the old adage is like, always leave them wanting yeah. more. And and some of these things that are out there these days is like, there are no unanswered questions. Every, <laughs> every avenue has been explored. Every possible theory has been uh, examined. And I, I think that we got enough in this to get a good sense of who the characters were, who the villain, the potential villains were. Uh, a lot of it didn't make sense. Uh, a lot of it made sense, so I think it was. I think it was fine. I think the editing was tight. I thought yeah. the uh, the pace was really good. Mm-hmm. I was really intrigued. I mean, we wanted to binge watch it the whole thing in one night, and we yeah. couldn't do that um, because you had to go to bed at eight thirty. And um, <laughs> I mean, you know that that's every night. <laughs> and, but I thought it was. I thought it was really good. I was really uh, interested. I was really compelled. I thought that. Um, the uh, the way the information was laid out was also good. Like sometimes you have these fabricated and um, really awkward situations where they're doing recreations yeah. and they're doing re- reenactments and things like that. And whoever's telling the story, whether it's a narrator or they let the interviews tell the story, it sometimes can vary. But I thought this was pulled together really well. I really enjoyed it. I uh, 
I had no idea about any of this kind of thing. I mean, we don't live all that far from Boston, really, relatively. And um, I had no idea of the depth of this story. And I had no idea that this is the world's largest art heist was in this museum in Boston. So it was really cool. It was really enlightening mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and really informative. And I, I recommend. I've never been to the Gardner. I've been to the MFA in Boston many mm-hmm. times, but I've never been to the Gardner. I know that... I've been to Boston. Of, yeah. As of five years ago... Allegedly, if you were named Isabella, you could get into the gardener for free. Oh, wow. Like, I assume you had to flash a driver's license or something. But I don't know if that's still a thing mm-hmm. anymore, given COVID and such. But And the fact that they've been the victims of the largest art heist in history. Well, I mean, but this was five years ago, not 35 years ago. Um, One thing that did stick out to me, though, mm-hmm. and this... This is unfortunately a feature of... So we watch a lot of true crime documentaries, and that's all on me because I love true crime. I like them too. Um, And one thing... And I know that it's only... You only hear about stuff that goes wrong. You don't hear about stuff that goes by the book and goes mostly right. But it seems like in a lot of these true crime documentaries and docu-series... We see a lot of police bungling (laughs) of investigations. Mm -hmm. And let me preface this by saying I realized this was 30 years ago and things were a little different back then. Mm -hmm. You know, DNA wasn't a thing back then, Mm -hmm. but fingerprints were a thing in the 90s. They've been a thing for a while. Yeah, they've been a thing my whole life. And (laughs) and it didn't really seem as though the first Boston PD responders to the crime scene, like, dusted for prints yeah and the guard who got tied up with duct tape they didn't preserve that duct tape really well Mm -hmm. and then several years later when the fbi was like maybe we should test the duct tape for prints (laughs) the duct tape had gone missing which is suspicious Mm -hmm. but i'm like it seems like in a lot of these true crime documentaries police just drop the ball Mm -hmm. spectacularly Mm -hmm. and i'm like what are we paying tax money for mm-hmm. if these people can't do their jobs? Well, and also and, the FBI in this case, too. The yeah. FBI blew some opportunities. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, like, was... I don't pay Massachusetts state tax, but I pay federal income tax, and right. that goes to, you know, support the FBI. And, yep. and I don't know. It just, I we don't need to get into a tangent on policing and police reform but i'm like you know maybe we ought to reconsider the way that we do things Mm -hmm. if all we ever see is true crime documentaries about cops not being able to do their jobs and like people walking off with 500 billion dollar 500 million dollars worth of art Mm -hmm. scot-free well i i mean i think you hit it at the top though that a lot has changed since then and they know a lot more than they did now like i thought it was pretty hilarious when you're seeing people walk in and out of the crime scene and (laughs) they don't have gloves on and (laughs) they're cops and they're like looking over and laughing and they got bags of stuff Somebody scotch taped like a piece of printer paper with a handwritten, the museum is close today note onto the front door that people are still going in and out of and putting their fingerprints on the door handle and there's no police tape roping off the scene or anything. So yeah, people are going up and trying the door, putting their palm prints on the door handle. Is it open? Is it open? And then like peeking in the window and putting their palm print on the window. (laughs) Meanwhile, the criminals are like, yeah, (laughs) this is why... 
This is why the bad guys get away with stuff. Because this is why the bad guys win. <laughs> right, totally. It's, it's not because of corruption. <laughs> it's because of pure incompetence. Right. So uh, a couple of criticisms that I had, uh, minor, minor criticisms. In the reenactment, there's two cops sitting in the car, and they're the guys that maybe, or they're dressed as cops. Maybe they broke into the place and stole the stuff. Uh, in the criminal uh, documents, and the crime documents in court and everything like that, they're saying that it was a Dodge Charger. Not a Dodge Charger. It was a Toyota something or other. Number two, the soundtrack music was abysmal. <laughs> and I didn't even, it didn't bother me at all. Yeah, it didn't bother you. I'm not a music person like you are. Yeah, and so like in one moment, it was like symphony music. Another moment, it was like a guy playing a triangle. And then... and then <laughs> I no, definitely don't remember that. And then there was like a guy playing <laughs> cowbell. You know, like it was just... It was kind of all over the place with the background music. And it was really distracting to me. So Christopher Walken right. <laughs> stole the artwork. He was the music director on this. Right. He's like, you know, I need my cowbell. <laughs> I don't even know if that was a good Christopher Walken. But anyway, so those are really minor criticisms, obviously, uh, because I thought this was a very interesting, compelling, and gripping docu-series. I appreciate the fact that the Barnacle Brothers actually interviewed the secretary of the IRA. Right. Because there was some speculation that you know, there's a large Irish American community in Boston and in the 90, in the, in 1990 when this art heist happened there wasn't the peace agreement you know, between mm -hmm. Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland and the United Kingdom like there wasn't the troubles were still ongoing mm -hmm. at that point so there was speculation that this artwork had been stolen to be like collateral for arms to fund the IRA. Mm -hmm. And so the Barnacle Brothers actually interviewed the secretary of like Sinn Féin mm -hmm. or something. And he was not appreciative of the fact that <laughs> like even the he IRA has standards, right? Yeah, he, like he's he, like, what are we going to do with paintings? <laughs> We're fighting a war and we need guns. What are we exactly. going to do with paintings? Yeah, he did not appreciate yeah. like the IRA being roped into. He was great. <laughs> you know? yeah. See, that's what I liked about this docu series too. Is there's all sorts of great characters in it. Mm -hmm. Like the uh, what was the guy's name? Murphy, uh, the 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 really uh, famous criminal guy in boston who was accused of doing all this stuff and he was a singer and everything like that and then he was connected he was potentially connected with the ira you're looking at me funny but he's like the main guy that they think is did it but he actually happened to be in jail oh miles connor miles connor yeah yeah, yeah and famous criminal guy in boston who already knocked off like a few museums including right, and, the mfa and it's and stolen paintings and stuff like that and he was great too like to yeah. talk to him sitting there in his white t-shirt in his backyard with like a semi like like an actual like, like 18 wheeler like yeah. sitting behind him you know? like and all the characters they had in this are just great i mean this is what makes a great documentary docu-series is you got to have the people telling the stories and mm. so, like the the one suspect and his wife was really great in the uh the guy who had the funny Beatles haircut like yeah uh -huh. he was suspected of being involved with this and um and his like i said his wife is a great character so there's all sorts of if you're going to have the people tell the story they've got to be really interesting in themselves. It can't just be like a, a researcher or a lawyer or somebody like that sitting back there going, well, this is what happened. Well, I did like, uh, so there is a shady character in Hartford who, <laughs> just the one. The Hartford Mafia. <laughs> right, who 
cops really homed in on. They thought that he could have the artwork. And he himself was not interviewed, but his criminal defense attorney was. And I liked that guy. Mm -hmm. That guy wasn't just a standard that's covered by attorney-client privilege. Like that guy added some color. He was like, oh, I got the call that my client was on his deathbed. I think I was on the golf course, you know? I, I that's what I like about some of these documentaries is that how they get people to spill this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like a, the best guys to talk to are the lawyers because they know a lot of the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. And the lawyers in a lot of these have been pretty good. I've been surprised at how much they've been willing to divulge about their clients and divulge about the situation because you don't want somebody sitting there, like you said, saying, well, I can't really talk about that. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that doesn't really help at all. Right. It doesn't yeah. help advance the story at all. Well, so I'm, I think... Yeah, I'm glad the filmmakers just wasted 30 seconds on you not saying anything right. instead of, yeah. <laughs> there are very few of those wasted kind of moments in a documentary like this. And uh, I mean, some of the documentaries we've, we've seen, there have been scenes where it's like, why did we even have that interview in there? Mm-hmm. It's like the equivalent to dumping your notebook when you're a reporter. Just because you talk to somebody, it doesn't mean you have to include it in the story, right? So um, do you want to uh, talk about what your letter grade is? Yes. What so is your letter grade, Coco? I would give it like a solid B to B plus. Yeah. Even though I thought it could have been longer, which is not a thing we normally say, mm-hmm. especially not after watching the Snyder Cut. <laughs> oh, my bum is still numb. I was just talking to my chiropractor about the Snyder Cut this morning. <laughs> Believe it or not, we were talking about a shirtless Superman. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I don't want to know that conversation. I thought maybe you, when you were talking to your chiropractor, it's like, why are you not? Why are, Why is your back all messed up? I was like, well, I watched the Snyder Cut. That's why. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> You need to adjust my ass, too, while you're at it. It's not just my back is tight. Like, oh, my ass. All the way down. Man, oh, man. Four hours on the couch. (laughs) My psoas. So, so yeah, I'd give it a solid B to B plus. It was really, really interesting, really gripping. The Mm -hmm. recreations. There were a lot of recreations, but they didn't feel superfluous. Oh. Take a shot, people who take shots when we use big words. Right. So, yeah, I uh, I wish there were more, which is always a good sign. So, what about you? What, uh, two stolen Rembrandts up? Or? No, I see, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> I, I would give it, I would probably give it a seven out of ten. Wow. Yeah, I really liked it. I, I mean, wow. again, with, with this kind of thing, I always look at it as like, would I watch it again? And mm-hmm. I don't think I would watch it again because I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised because it's four hours long. It's four so. hours, but it's also like some things you'd watch again because they're entertaining and you miss something along the way. But I think I got most of it this time. Um, having said that, though, I still give it a high grade because I, it was very informative, very well done. And it and the craziness, like you mentioned, is like it's connecting to this dot and this dot over here and this dot over here. And yet they were saying, you know, Boston is such a small town and the crime families are kind of small town and they all know each other kind of thing. But man, oh man, it was just... It was just amazing, and I think Boston, like somewhere, somebody's got uh, a Rembrandt hanging up in their basement, and right. in, in, in their man cave, <laughs> right? Totally. You know, and then Grandpa's gonna die, and the family's gonna be like, "Oh, this is worthless." You know, he probably yep. got this on Art.com. You know, right? Whatever. And then put it out in the garage sale or the tag sale or whatever yeah. they call it in Boston. And I, uh, I remember reading several years ago that another art heist happened in somewhere in Europe and one of the perps was in Eastern Europe, like Bulgaria or Romania. And he was not as savvy as these crooks. (laughs) So the cops were closing in on him and his mom didn't want him to get in trouble. So she like burned like the artwork. So like Monet's and stuff like are just cinders now. And I really 
pray to God that that didn't happen with this stuff, that yeah. it wasn't too hot and it was disposed of. Because this is stuff that yeah. should be on display for the public to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like the world needs more beauty. And man, oh man, you know. I, you're getting deep this deep into the podcast. I mean, <laughs> you know, and if you're still listening, listener, good on you because and, you just got that. <laughs> and it's late at night too. Right? So this is when the deep thoughts come out when I'm like pondering my place in the universe. You and know? there's no glass of wine in front of you? No, I haven't had anything. I did eat a whole sleeve of Thin Mints today though. So I'm coming down off the sugar high. So. A sleeve of Thin Mints? <laughs> I did. <laughs> is that like a gaggle of geese? <laughs> and then we had burgers and fries for dinner, listener. Oh. So my calories are just... I'm done for the weekend. Don't remind me. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so thieves, if you're still out there, if this stuff is still mm-hmm. intact, please keep it intact. We need this stuff to see the light of day again. Do and the for, right thing. Right. And for the world to appreciate great art. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Wow. Appreciate so, art. All right. On that note. Yeah, I think we should go out on that note. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's a high note. <laughs> so thanks for joining us, listener. We appreciate it. We know you have a choice, and we appreciate you choosing us for another episode of the podcast. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dogs. <laughs>